Hello guys, Rafinha from 1G Connection here. And today we have Edgar in our show. It's great to have him here. He's from Venezuela. He graduated in journalism and also moved to Mexico and US to work abroad. His experience is amazing. And today, to be honest with you, since I started this project, he's one of the persons that I had on my mind to interview since the beginning. So, Edgar, thanks for accepting the inviting to join us today. I'm very happy. Come on, man. I'm, I'm really thankful that you invited me. Uh, it's an honor for me. And also, congratulations for your new baby. Oh, that's really true. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, man. Thank you a lot. He arrived this, uh, this Sunday. For those who don't know my baby yet, he calls Bento. And you'll see photos on my social medias very soon, people. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> about that. Edgar, uh, we always ask our, our uh, people that join our podcast, our interviews, to tell us what are the drink you brought to the show today? I'm a water guy. So here, water, cold water, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Mexicans, you. they used to drink like, like normal temperature water. I'm not like that. I'm from the Caribbean, so I need to drink you know, cold water. Cold water. Okay. Yeah. In Brazil, I'm the same as you. I just like to drink uh, cold water. Then I also have uh, a bottle just like yours to keep the temperature in a cold <laughs> temperature. Yeah. So very important. Salud. But on my side, salute. On my side, I bought my Brazilian coffee, man. I'm a coffee guy. I like to drink a lot of coffee. I'm drinking Three Hearts, actually the name is Tres Corações, but in English would be Three Hearts, one of the best coffees we have here in Brazil mm. from my region in Minas Gerais. Brazilian coffee is really famous, right? It's like yeah, a good it's really, coffee. We, yeah, yes, we produce a lot of coffee and we export to the world. I, I like a lot of our coffees. <laughs> Edgar, awesome. to start our conversation, man, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story, where you came from in Venezuela, what you graduated, what you studied, uh, a little bit of why you decided. Just open the conversation. Tell us a little bit more about you. Of course, of course. Okay, first first thing you need to know, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I have a journalist degree uh, for, for newspaper and writing. And fun story, I wanted to be a journalist since I was 10 years old. Uh, yeah, I really young in that moment, but when I was 10 years old, there, there was a, a coup in Venezuela, 2002, 2002. There was a coup, military coup, everything was crazy. And that night, I remember I, I couldn't sleep all night because things were developing in the tv a lot of a lot of things were happening and i was so interested in understanding what's going on and i was asking my dad mom what's going on and dad what's going on and venezuela has a, a really cultural history with coups so they were really calm everything was fine for them and i didn't understand how how calm they were i i, I just didn't fit in my mind so i start that night investigating i had two encyclopedias at, at my home, at, at my place. And then I start looking for coup, military coup, uh, Venezuela military history. So in that moment, I realized, okay, 
This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to investigate things and I want to get clarity to the people that look to the TV and look to the news because they are not explaining me right what's going on. So I want to do it. I can do it. So in that moment, I decide I want to be a journalist. Okay, you know, so young. <laughs> yeah, so young. I was a little kid. And I was so nervous. And I was reading and reading and reading. I couldn't sleep. Ten years, couldn't sleep. Uh, then I started studying journalism. And my passion went to and roll. Uh, actually, by the time I end up my degree, I already had four years working in the biggest journal in my city. Um, because I, I, I wanted to start working early since I was a, a student because I want to have a, a jump start uh, from, from a lot of competition that were present in the moment. So my goal was having a radio show. I, had, I used to have a radio show about sports, and then uh, I was starting to work like an investigation journalist in my city. In, it's called Puerto La Cruz uh, in Venezuela. Is it a big city there uh, to the it's, size of Venezuela? Yeah, I mean, Venezuela has 30 million people by now. Uh, six millions are out of Venezuela. They left because of the crisis. I'm one of them. Uh, but my city is like two million people, and it's like the fourth biggest city in my country. Okay. But it's really important because the big industries, a lot of big industries are there. We have a refinery for, for oil. Uh, we have a, a lot of things going on there. It's a really important city. Uh, yeah. And by the end of my career, I wanted to be a war correspondent. That's what's, that was my dream. I wanted to go to the conflict area in the world and report everything that was going on. And I remember I had a list of the best war correspondents in the world. Uh, but that, but that moment I changed my mind with one of my favorites, a Japanese journalist. She died because of, of, of a bomb explode. And this Japanese oh. war correspondent, she, she sadly passed, passed away. And I was thinking like, man, this is really dangerous. And, and I remember in that moment, I'm, I'm talking about 2012 and 13 and 14, there was a lot of, of problems in Venezuela, like civic problems, protests, uh, like the, the army and the police were, were behaving really bad with the people when they go out and manifest. Uh, and I was preparing myself in that context to be a war correspondent, which is really crazy. Uh, and then I start, you know, working really early and then I got my name. I actually got a, I, I won a prize in Venezuela for, for best journalist of the year. And I'm talking about 2013. I hasn't even got my degree yet. Oh my God, really? That, yeah, that created a big problem. Uh, yeah, when the syndicate, because he's like, he's not a journalist officially yet. So we cannot give him an award, but I deserve it. So they gave it to me. I Actually, I got my, my picture in, in on Instagram. What did you my do friend. to, to win that? Uh, the, I, I did a series of investigations uh, during the years. And something was happening. You, you know, when, when, when you are a journalist and you live in a city when there are, there are like 10 journals, there, something was happening since two years ago that I always got the news that no one else got. Like I, I got the, the I, I was the first one to arrive and I, I did investigation that no one else did. So every time I got my front page news, like boom, boom, boom. And everyone in the, in the other papers, the directors were, you know, like 
they were saying to the journalists, this guy is killing you. you he got the news and you got nothing <laughs> every day. And that happened from, for two years. So in that moment, it's like, who are, who are we going to give the, the prize uh, this year? Um, there was only one option. It was me because... Yeah, awesome, I, I was really young and I, I understood that. I, I tried to be humble in that moment, but 22 years old, it was difficult. And I understood in that moment because my director told me, if you don't put your feet on the ground, you're going to get lost. So believe in your talent and just be humble about it. And I stood humble about it. I didn't say anything to no one like I'm the best. No, ever. Never said that to anyone. Oh, cool, man. Cool. Very interesting. Very interesting. Hey, guys, Rafael here. And before we move to the content, I want to remember you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, podcast, and follow us on Instagram. Create this global community of world-class professionals and talk with people from all parts of the world is extremely hard. And with your support, it will be much easier. So take a moment to like this video and share with your friends as well. Let's create this community together. I'm waiting for you and let's go global together. Yeah. Um, and that's the journalist industry. Actually, it has uh, a sad uh, ending because of my investigations, I have to, I had to quit my job back in Venezuela. Um, the government wasn't really happy with my work. Venezuela, it's uh, from, from one year to another, it was becoming a far worse dictatorship than it was before. So when, when the, the government started since 90, 1998, it was getting worse every time. I was a real a kid in that moment. I had six years old when it started. By 2013, it was a dictatorship already. So I kept working. I kept doing my, my investigations. And I found uh, a case. I, I was working on a case about uh, some, some, and this, this probably is going to get you because you just got your baby. Uh, newborns. There was some newborns in the public hospital of the city. It's really big. It's a hospital city, actually. They they were dying. All the kids, newborns, same day, six of them died for no reason. And that kept happening all week. So by the end of the week, it was 46 newborns dead. So the families start calling me. They, they were looking for a journalist to put the news out, to... to asking for explanation for the director board of the hospital. So I just went to the hospital. I disguised myself as a doctor because by, by that moment, I haven't, I haven't been allowed of entering to the hospital because the directors understood if I'm in the hospital, I'm looking for investigating something. And they knew me already and they didn't like me. So I put, I put a doctor <laughs> costume. Oh my God. <laughs> From, from one of my friends, I put a, a doctor costume and I went in from the back door <laughs> and I remember being in the, in the trauma, traumatological, um, in, in, the, in the space when there are the people that got car accidents and I remember <laughs> passing by the patients and every one of them wearing well in, in wheelchair, you know, like this or, or just laid in the bed with the foot right up. And people were telling me like, doctor, doctor, can you come? And I was like, give me a second, give me a second. Oh my God, man. Really fast oh, to see man. this patient. I'm gonna be right back. I never went back. 
okay? Oh my God. <laughs> so I investigate and I realized that there were 11 bacterias in the newborn area. And that's why 46 babies were dead. Because, Shame. yeah, because no sanity was present in the moment. It, it, it's a hospital that was designed to have 3,000 newborns in one year, and they were having 12,000 newborns in one year, four times the, the number that they should be having because it was so big and there was no other option. Uh, but that's another problem. It's, it's what, what bad governments do to the country. They just give you less options by every day. So I found out the truth. Um, the truth wasn't good for the government and the government called to my journal and they told my boss not, not to print it. So they, they didn't do it because the, the threat was, we are, going to, we are going to close you down. We're going to shut you down if you do. And in the moment, I just realized that for months I've been pursued and I got my phone intervened and everything, everything got worse. Everything got worse. By that moment, uh, my dads, both of them, they were uh, public servers. They work for the health secretary of the government. So they, they kind of threat me in the way that uh, if you keep doing your investigations, we are going to fire them, both of your dads. Oh, my God. So I had a quit. I just took the, the decision. I quit. I, it was uh, a Monday in the morning. I told to my boss, that's it. That's it for me. And that same week on Thursday, I took a plane and I went to Miami. Oh my God. How was you feeling at that moment, man? Because I imagine how hard this was for you. Mm. In that moment, uh, I was thinking, well, maybe my dream won't be fulfilled because it was my dream. I mean, my, my dream was becoming a big journalist, learn everything I could in Venezuela and go, uh, go outside. I go to Syria and go to uh, Gaza to the to the Franja de Gaza or going to to the places in the world where there were there were conflict and I want to be the newsman in those places and I understood if I go now I'm probably gonna get killed because I'm not experienced enough I just got my graduation in that moment at the same time I just finished my college and I told myself three years experience be uh, uh, understanding better the journalism by working on it, and then I'm gonna go. But when I, I was in the plane actually going to Miami and I was thinking, I need to change my road. This, this is not gonna happen anymore. And I left and I, it was sad. It, it's a sad moment in my life. Getting to left behind my family, my friends, my, my job, uh, in that moment, my girlfriend, I mean, I, I left everything behind, everything. Oh it changed my life from, from one week to another. I quit on Monday and Thursday, I was in the plane. Yeah, man, you were very curious to do that uh, so fast, so quick. I mean, most of the people will take too much time to make this decision. You were able to make this decision very fast. 
is i mean you are you like to make uh, you like to act why you think how do you think you were able to make this decision uh i'm, I'm really impatient i've been impatient my whole life i don't like to wait and that actually caused me a lot of problems uh, in my life since forever uh, because calmness and 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 you know be patient is good I, I understand like a good thing being a patient person I'm not like that I, I've I actually got better uh, sometime uh, like like ago I, I've been working on it in that moment I felt if I don't move quickly I'm gonna be stuck here I'm not gonna do anything I don't know how to do anything but working in journalism that's what i did since i'm 18 years old i just got my college degree done i live with my mom and i i plan actually to stop living with my mom when i when i was 20. in that moment i was 23 so i got like three years already due with my time frame goal about living alone so i i told myself it's now or never i'm gonna go okay yeah i'm here uh, my humble opinion about this, I think acting uh, fast sometimes can be dangerous, but sometimes it's extremely important because sometimes you just know what's the right thing to do, but you wait too much and you lose the opportunity. And well, I'm curious to know what, how was, uh, I mean, seeing your trajectory today, I believe that you were able to achieve a lot of great things based on this decision, right? Today you are a successful professional, but tell me, how was to get in Miami for the first time this such hard uh, part of your life? Uh, it was crazy. I, I went there and I have uh, two family members there. Um, the, the sisters of my mom, they lived there since 10 years ago. Um, I think a little bit more, like 15 years ago. So I start living with uh, this, with my mom's sister, with my, my aunt. And fortunately, she has a really good economic uh, position. So okay. I, start, I start living with her uh, in Brickell. Brickell is the financial uh, district of Miami. It's a really good area. It's really pretty uh, and it's really expensive. So <laughs> I, start, I start living with her. And then I look for a job and I was looking for a job. And my first job at Miami was uh, I was I was selling uh, travel suits, like like travel bags, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the dog. You, you are not that guys that stays the airport, say, hey, you're going to subscribe to this magazine here and take this. Uh, <laughs> you are that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. Only, <laughs> only for two weeks because I didn't like my job because my, my boss, um, she told me to uh, lie to people. <laughs> she she kept telling me, lie to people. I don't care. Sell something. Oh, my and God. That was my first sales job in my life. Two oh weeks. I couldn't stand it. It was awful. Awful. Oh, my God. Such a bad job. And I understand I, in that moment, like looking at that time of my life, I understand that you need to have bad jobs so you can value the good ones later. Okay. And that job was so, so bad, man. I just, 
It's so Imagine. bad that it makes another bad job looking good. It's crazy bad. <laughs> okay. And what was the next job then? I'm curious to know. Yeah, I, I found uh, I, I found a, an, a good job there. In I was a waiter. Uh, I was a waiter in a restaurant, and I was part-time waiter and part-time cook, assistant cook. Okay. Uh, I remember in that moment when I started working in the kitchen, I, I thought maybe I, I could be studying for so I can be a chef. I like cooking. <laughs> I, I feel passion for, for food and for kitchen. Uh, and I stopped, I started thinking, oh, maybe this is the new road for me. And then I realized that they had 14 chief hours, man. 14. Oh my God. Like, 14? 14 man the is, chef, that, is this allowed yeah well it, it, they they pay extra hours okay is, this is the united states so extra hours payment is a really common thing for yeah everyone. yes yeah but the work for the chef doesn't start in the kitchen you you need to go there uh, like hours sooner so you can see all the menu is in the right way that you have all the products that you need and understanding which station is going to be everyone today. Like the chef, he actually doesn't cook soon. He's like directing. Yes, he's a leader, and, right? Yeah, and, and I thought to myself, okay, if I want to be, uh, if, if I want to make money in, in the kitchen, in, in, the, in, the, in the cooking industry, I, I need to be a recognized chef. And when I, when I start being a recognized chef, I'm not going to be cooking. I'm going to be directing. So how that works, yes. and it didn't it didn't fit to my to my maybe I'm wrong. I mean I, I wasn't a chef, right? Maybe yeah. maybe there are some chefs that they start that they keep cooking and they have their team behind. I don't know. But for me, it it didn't make sense. So I was a waiter for six months, and in that moment, that job changed my life forever, because it was the first time that I understood the value of the customer in that moment. Okay, what happened for you to, to learn that? There was so much people, man, in that place. That, <laughs> that restaurant is located in, in a mall in Miami, in, in one of the, the highest quality malls in Miami. It's called, uh, I can say the name, no problem. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, it's called Shops at Merrick Park. And it's, I don't remember the place it's located. I don't know if it's Coconut Grove or something like that. It's a really expensive area in Miami. And I remember every day looking to Ferraris and Maseratis in there. <laughs> and I was thinking like, man, am I going to have one of those one day? <laughs> and there was so much people in that place that you could be attending maybe 20 people in a matter of one minute. It's crazy. So I understood the value and I was a great waiter, a great waiter. So I had everything on control uh, and in the kitchen, you, you need to be doing like a lot of things by the same time. So I got this, I got developed this multitasking uh, capability that I didn't have before because everything I used to do back in my country was investigating things by my, my, my time frame, my agenda. This was different. Uh, I didn't know that in the road of the kitchen, someone is going to put their hands up and asking me for something that changed everything for me. So understanding the value, remembering things, uh, understanding that some people wanted to be treated 
in, in a more gentle, harm way, but just another people just want that you to help them to get the things that their coffee that they want and just be fast, you know? Understanding that the difference between how is this going to behave and how this one is going to behave and how that would affect, affect my work and my productivity. That was the moment I understood people have needs. And I'm, I, I, me as a waiter, I'm here to help them satisfy their needs. It was the first time for me. Awesome, man. Awesome. And from, and from waitress, what, what were the next moves in your career? I left. You left? Why? I left. I left Miami in that moment. Yeah, I, I wasn't a tourist visa. Okay? okay. I didn't have permission to work, so I was illegal. I was illegally working in the United States. Before that, uh, when I was younger, before starting my college, I used to live in New York, and I understood that I, I understood the difference between New York and Miami, and I didn't like Miami for living. Miami is a great place; it's beautiful. The people is so nice, but I was feeling that it was too easy for me. I start going to some journals. I remember going to Diario de las Americas, for example. It's a big journal there in Miami. And I send them, I, I show them my, my CV. And they were like, oh my God, I, I mean, are, are you 23 years old? And you already done all this? And I was like, they, they thought I was lying, actually. But they investigate and they saw my, 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 my first pages and everything that I did, I, I got like, if you put my, my name in Venezuela, Google, and you put like the name of the newspaper, you will find a lot of news that I investigate. Awesome, man. Really. Uh, so they told me, okay, we love to have you, but you are illegal. <laughs> like your, <laughs> your migration in service is illegal. So we cannot do that. So. It's really easy. You can, you can solve this in, in a couple of weeks. You need to ask for um, asylum. You need to ask for political asylum. And in your case, they will give you really fast because, because of everything that happened. When you have your asylum, you're hired. We want you. Great journal. Yeah, come. And I told them, no. What? I told them no. <laughs> Are you crazy, Edgar? What? Why you said that, man? I told them no. Uh, and, and in that moment, I thought, man, I don't even really like Miami. Uh, this is a great journal. Yeah, sure. Right? But I, I want to be... Like, do I want to start from scratch? Although this is not my country. I used to be investigation journalist in the biggest journal of my town. I developed a career. So if I start here... I'm going to be the new guy with no experience in, in Miami, uh, political, cultural area. So it's going to be a, starting from scratch. It's less than, than zero I'm going to start. I'm going to be like minus 50. And there, there was another issue with my migration status is that um, if you ask for asylum in the United States, you cannot live the United States for eight years. You cannot go to another country because oh. that's how long it takes to change the asylum status to, uh, to have a green card and to have like citizenship and to have like documents that, yeah, this guy is a United States resident now and not an asylum guy. 
And I was telling to myself, do I want to be here in the United States? Let's say I move from one city to another. Okay, I go to New York again, which I love. It's my one of my favorite cities in the world, New York. Amazing city. Yeah. But I cannot leave the United States for eight years. And I'm 23 years old, so I'm going to be stuck in the United States until I'm 31. That's why I said no. Okay. Starting from scratch, not, not being able to leave the United States. And I did. I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go. Uh, that was a Friday. I remember that day. So, so in a clear mind. That was uh, Friday at the beginning of uh, 2016. Uh, it was January. Uh, and I, I just took my phone in that moment. And I started thinking, where I'm gonna go. I don't I don't have a place to go. I got no one in Europe. I, I cannot go back to Venezuela. I'm not gonna stay in the United States. Where I'm gonna go? And then I start thinking, well maybe Colombia is a good place for me. It's really close to Venezuela and there are a lot of Venezuelans there. And then I start thinking about Argentina or Chile. I got a lot of friends there. Because the Venezuelan people just left the country and we have people everywhere by now. Um, and then I remember one guy, uh, one of my best friends in my life, uh, since, since high school, he's called Jose Fermin and you probably know him. We used to be friends in high school, back in Venezuela. We are friends since we were kids and he lived in, uh, by the moment in Guadalajara, Mexico, because his family, they, they move all together here uh, since 2010 because Venezuela situation wasn't really good. So they moved and there are a lot of people in their family. So they move everyone there. <laughs> and I, I asked him, hey, I, I, I knew before that he was finishing the, his master in digital communication for the communication and journalist degree. So he actually studied the same thing that I did. So I asked him, hey, Jose, do you have some professors in your university that works in journals in Mexico? I'm gonna get out of the United States. I, I don't have a place to go. Maybe if I send you my CV and they look at it, maybe some, someone of them can hire me. What do you think? And he told me, yeah, sure, send me your CV. This guy printed my CV and went to his classroom with a bunch of people there with the master studying in that moment. And he told his professor, hey, professor, this is my friend CB. He's in Miami right now, but he's looking a place to work. And the guy looked at my CB and, and told him, okay, he, he, he told me this story. This is an impressive CV. It's amazing. You you're telling me this guy's in Miami and he wants to let, he wants to be out of Miami? And he was explaining him the situation. And uh, the guy was a director in a journal here in Guadalajara, Mexico. And he told him, yeah, uh, the problem is that we need him to be here so we can interview him. So that was really dangerous. I haven't been in Mexico ever. I mean, I, I never came to Mexico before that. So it was risky, you know, just moving yeah, just sure. to get an interview is hard. A lot of people do that though. Um, my respect for those people. Um, there was one girl in the classroom, a student, a girl from Ecuador. And this is when 
circumstances put together and change your life forever. I don't know if, if it was destiny. I don't know if just a lot of coincidences that were together in that moment. But this girl, one of my friends right now, she's, by now she, she's obviously a friend of me. She raised her hand and she was listening the whole conversation with my friend and the professor. And she tells Jose, hey, I'm Equatorian and I'm not Mexican and I have a job here and they hire people from outside of Mexico. Give me his CV and if they like him, they will call him. And the girl took my CV and she took it to her company. And they liked my CV so much that they called me and they interviewed me four times. Whoa. It's a political communications agency here in Guadalajara. And they told me, by, by the fourth interview, they told me, um, if you come here in one month, you have 30 days. The job is for you. And I was like, really? But you don't know me. <laughs> no, but we like you. Come. One month, okay? No more than that. And I was like, oh, damn. I have a job in Mexico. <laughs> Edgar, your life is not normal, man. Believe me. It's unique, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of things happens in starting that moment. And, and I came. I, I took my chances and I came. And uh, I had that job for almost two years here. And it was hard because it's political movements here in Mexico, they are so passionate and, and it was such a hard work from Sunday to Monday. And in that place, I get to know my wife. That's okay. a place I get to know my wife. Yeah. Oh man, awesome. She was working there as well? Yeah, she's a graphic designer and she, she was head of graphic designer for the political party in the national team so she was she she had already five years there uh she, she was heavy in that place and she's like awesome she's, i'm not telling you because she's my wife but she's the best graphic designer that i know for sure awesome man awesome and she's mexican yeah i met her and she she in that moment she got a boyfriend uh and, and me in that moment i got a girlfriend that she came from Venezuela and, and we get together here in Mexico. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't do anything bad, but uh, let me, let me tell you. And I, I told this story at my wedding when I saw her the first time I told to myself, Oh man. Yeah. She's going to be mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, she, that's the girl from. Star is amazing. Man. <laughs> yeah, and she had her, her girl, her boyfriend, and and we were just we start talking as a friend. Obviously, we we didn't like we didn't start from zero to one hundred in, in the same day. Then uh, her her relationship uh, broke up. My relationship broke up, and that's when I saw the opportunity. Yeah, man. And, and I think I that you don't lose life. any opportunity. I one thing that I've learned from your story is that you don't lose any opportunity. So when yeah. <laughs> awesome man, awesome man. And then you stayed there for two years. And what then? 
uh, I mean, were you being yeah. successful? Because you said it was really challenging. Were you being successful? What made you uh, move to another path then? What happened? This, this job was really hard and is, I believe, is the, the hardest job I ever got. And I loved it. I loved it. And also I loved it because since day one, they gave me a lot of trust. They didn't know me at all. And by the third month, I was already head of a team there. Uh, doing something that I didn't do before, which is developing communication for political for politicians in a really deep way, man. I mean, if you want to be a major in Belarus something one day, I can I can make you a strategy. Cool. I can do that. Yeah, that I, oh. I know how to create a political strategy for so you can become something that you want to be governor. Can you give me some points of important things? Just for me to yeah. have an idea. Yeah, for example, there, there are some aspects that um, a candidate needs to feel. Like, uh, for example, um, there's something called the, the will of vote. If you are a candidate, if you don't have the will of voting from the people, you are never going to win. And before you have the willing of vote, you need to have positioning. Okay. Okay. And awareness. Positioning is that people knows you. You need to be known by the majority of the people that votes. And uh, political awareness is the percentage of people that knows you need to be uh, in a high value, in a good value. And there are negative and positive. There are a lot of political people that have a lot of negatives. Uh, I can give you an example, Bolsonaro. A lot of negatives. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that have more positives. Okay. I can give you another example. Um, uh, Lula, for example, he has a lot yeah. of positives. And he also has negative. But in Brazil, they ha he has more positive than negative. Right? Yeah. At the moment, compared to Bolsonaro, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, and there are poli politicals that, uh, politicians that have only negative. Like, uh, let's say a name. I don't know. Donald Trump. He has a lot of negatives, only negatives. So you need to put your, your value high, positives. Get to uh, uh, people know you with positioning. And uh, the awareness is that they know you and they know you for good reasons. And good reasons of knowing you and 80, 90% of positioning, that will give you the willing of vote. If you don't have the willing of vote, don't even run. It's not going to make sense. Okay, interesting, man. If, if I want to run for... A mayor someday, I'll call you. Call me. Yeah. Okay. We're friends. I'll give you a good price. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And then from uh, from this role in your career, what you have done next? Yeah, I, I just I just got tired. I, in that moment, I was working from Sunday to Monday. I was running the communication for a whole city. It's called, uh, well, I don't want to say that. Uh, because it's it's a moment that I was so tired, I don't even remember what I was doing. I, if I think in that moment of my life, I was like sleeping three hours a day, not eating much, and working so hard because everything that the mayor said, it has to be approved by me. Oh. And everything that the government published on Twitter, on Facebook, on every social network, 
every communication that the city relieved, I had to approve it. It was I was tired. Oh, man. I was I tired. Hey friends, we are getting to the end of this content, but before it ends, I want to remember you, if you like this video, subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channel. We are trying to create a global community of world-class professionals. And to do that is extremely challenging because we need to understand and talk with people from all over the world. But with your support, we'll make this happen. So please take a moment to support us and let's go global together. It's great. Was you being at least paid well for doing this job? Not very much. And that also didn't like me. And I knew that if I stood there like for one year more, I will be having more money. Because I, I knew like my, my, my guys from the team, some of them, they had four or five years in the company and they were like earning good money. Uh, but I didn't wanna, and this, this is maybe a mistake I made. I didn't wanna complain. Because these guys, they hire me without knowing me. And they gave yeah. me the trust and they made me a leader inside the company. So I was thinking they, they didn't have to do that with me. Why are they doing this with me? Because I like them, because they, they like me. So for me, and also another thing, money is not a driver in my decisions, okay? okay. I believe if you set your agenda, if you set your mindset, if your mindset is the money, you, you're never going to be happy. That's my belief. Probably yeah. uh, I would be mistaken. And probably if I think different, I will be in a judge right now in the Mediterranean Sea. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I start, uh, I, I quit in that moment. And actually it was a fun day <laughs> because uh, in, in that moment, my girlfriend, which now is my wife, she also quit the same day. Oh my God, man. So, so the company believed that I made her quit. Oh. So they, they start hating me since that day. And they, oh my they God. man, if you wanna go, go, but don't make our leader in design, in graphic design, leave, please. They didn't know that I, I had nothing to do with that. She, she was also tired. Of course she was tired. She had five years there. I had two years and I was devastated. Imagine five years there, it was crazy. Yes. So I started working in a marketing, in a digital marketing agency uh, only for three months because in that moment I was already, and this is the connection with Rock Content. Uh, Jose Fermin already was in the company. He was the operations manager for the Mexico office. And I was working for Rock as a freelancer. The same thing, imagine how tired I was because I wanted to earn more money and I didn't want to complain. So I had my political communication shop and I was a freelancer for rock so I can make more money. I was exhausted. I, I left that job. I started working in a digital marketing agency and I got more time. Everything changed for me. Now I can breathe and I start working more as a freelancer for rock. I used to do like 12 pieces of content every week. I was writing a lot. That's a lot, man. And I loved it because for the first time since I left the journal in Venezuela, now I can be writing again, which was a dream for me. I was so happy in that moment. And I was thanking Jose every day because, man, thank you, because now I can be writing again. This is not news. 
This is evergreen content for companies, but man, this is so good. I am going to mm -hmm. be getting money for writing, which is what I do. This is my thing. Hello, folks. Hafia from 1G Connection here. I hope you are enjoying this conversation we had with Edgar and Gary. And if the answer is yes, I have good news. This is only the first part of the conversation. And in the second part, we covered how it was to Edgar to transition from journalist to a successful account executive. How is to sell to countries in Latin America and the difference between each one of them. Also, how is to live in Venezuela and a little bit of the back ground and history about this country it was very interesting i'm sure you enjoy as well so go to the second part i wait you there 